the pool of big thinkers is a lot less sizable than the pool of littler thinkers. So one of the benefits of thinking big is that you often have less competition. Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings. I'm Gene Girdley, and I produce and direct the Fixed Ops Roundtable virtual events. On today's program, we welcome Les Silver, who shares with us his six-pack for success. Well, Chad, what we do here at the Fixed Ops Roundtable is go from one industry pioneer to another, and our next guest is no exception. That's right, Gene. Les Silver is the executive chairman of Dynatron Software and Keeps Corporation, and a good friend of the Roundtable. Les, welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Thanks so much, Ted. It's been amazing to see um, how this conference has grown, and we we attribute a lot of that to you and a lot of the wisdom that you've that you've shared and. Uh, our audience just loves the segments uh, that you uh, provide our group. So, Les, thank you so much, and take it away. Thanks so much, Ted. Uh, Gene used the term pioneer. Uh, I've often learned that the way to distinguish a pioneer is through the arrows in their back. Uh, and unfortunately or fortunately, uh, there have been a number of errors, arrows that have accumulated over the years. Uh, but I want to share something else with you guys today, uh, and that's something that Uh, I put together many years ago, uh, I've called it the six-pack for success. Um, Over the course of my career, I've been fortunate to be able to work with a number of people uh, that have taught me some very important life lessons, uh, particularly early in my career, uh, that have influenced the way I've been able to approach business. And I've been sharing this with uh, our staff uh, over many companies over many years, and I thought I would share it with your audience today. Uh, So we call it the six-pack for success, and each lesson here was contributed by somebody that was either an associate of mine or a boss of mine uh, early in my career. Uh, And the first one is one that I'm sure all of you have heard before, uh, and it's a staple in the auto industry, and it says that attitude is everything. Uh, My first boss was an individual, a man named Al Wiley. Uh, He was the dealer principal. Uh, at Wiley Mercury in Winnipeg, Canada. That's where I grew up. And Al was a character. Uh, Al, like many dealers, uh, got his early start in athletics. Uh, He was a football player. In fact, he was a lineman uh, who played on the Grey Cup winning. Now, the Grey Cup, by the way, is the Canadian equivalent of the Super Bowl. He was on the Grey Cup winning Winnipeg Blue Bomber football team. Uh, And he was a lineman. And he had a interesting distinction and that's he was able to play that position with a handicap of only having one eye Uh, and he was an all-star and he got past that handicap by having a very strong attitude towards everything that he did. I went to work in the dealership uh, early in my career and had the opportunity to have attitude is everything beaten into me uh, at a time when quite frankly my attitude wasn't so hot. Uh, And it was a wonderful opportunity to adjust that attitude uh, because that is the core. Uh, Al didn't have clear sailing uh, in addition to this problem with his eye. uh, He expanded the dealership business into the rental car business by picking up Hertz rental car franchises in a number of cities. Uh, And unfortunately, that caused him to have to go broke. But using the attitude is everything philosophy, Al picked himself up went working as a consultant in training uh, salespeople, 
and then was had the opportunity later on to buy another dealership, uh, this time in Toronto, uh, and was very successful uh, in transforming a sleepy little dealership uh, into a major uh, dealership in the Toronto area. We learned a lot from Al. Uh, his attitude extended into the time when he unfortunately had a number of health problems with Parkinson's, uh, and throughout his career, uh, he made attitude as everything something that came to life. And I'm ever grateful for learning that important lesson. The second lesson came from my second boss. And if you can imagine a guy who was six foot six, uh, large individual, tall individual, uh, he was a Turk. Uh, and he had a Turkish beard, a goatee. Uh, and he would say, it's just as easy to think big as it is to think small. And learning that lesson early, uh, I think has been instrumental in my willingness to attempt things at a grander scale than I might have otherwise. Mike put that into effect. Uh, he worked uh, in the data center. Uh, this was in the computer business. And he worked in the data center in Manitoba uh, for the telephone company. And a bid crossed his desk where the country of Saudi Arabia was looking for somebody to build or rebuild their telephone system. And Mike decided, hey, I may as well put my think big and think small philosophy into play. And he bid on and actually got the contract from small town of Winnipeg, you know, 500,000 population. He won the contract to build the telephone system for the country of Saudi Arabia, which was an amazing feat. So when you think about what are you going to calibrate your expectations to, think about it's easier to think big as it is to think small. The third lesson came from my next boss, also in the computer business, a gentleman by the name of Ron O'Kane. Ron was a chain smoker. Um, he was in the technology business and he got there on an unusual path. He was a cop uh, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and then he went back to school and ended up taking uh, education to become uh, somebody knowledgeable in, in IT. And his lesson was probably the most difficult one of all. And that was, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? And I was a young guy and I always wanted to be right. And Ron would say, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? Knowing the difference is very important because sometimes our ego gets in the way of us wanting to be right. And we extend that wanting to be right over and above the objective that we're trying to accomplish in the first place. The objective is to be successful. The objective is not to be right. And if we have to set aside our ego in order to be able to learn lessons and adopt philosophies that will help you get to the goal line, you're better off to recognize success is the objective and being right, you know, nice if you can do both, but if you have to trade one for the other, you wanna be successful. Keith Soley was my next boss and Keith became a lifelong friend, still one of my best friends today. And Keith would say, shoot for the moon, but it's okay that if you only get into the high atmosphere and balance high ideals with reasonable expectations. So set high and lofty ob objectives, but give yourself the out that if you don't quite get there, that's okay. You shot high, 
but you didn't quite get there. The expectations that are reasonable give you the opportunity to still feel successful because you really shot for a very high goal. The next one actually came from a guy that worked with me. His name was Don Lundgren, and Don was a very organized fellow. And he would apply, he would call it business case logic to every problem that he came upon. Uh, what's the objective? What are the alternatives? What are the pros and cons of each alternative? And then make a choice. And he realized that you have to be selective. You can't do everything. So of the, cho of the choices and the options that you have, you need to pick ones that have the highest value and you need to stay focused. Because if you try to do too much, quite often you won't get anywhere. So remember that analyze carefully, choose the ones that have the highest impact and be selective. The sixth one is one that Don pointed out was my philosophy. And that philosophy, and this dated unfortunately prior to Nike, uh, be better if I would have been able to trademark or copyright it. But my personal philosophy is one of action, do it. You can often find yourself in an analysis paralysis where you can spend all kinds of time trying to figure out, hey, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Until you jump into the pool, very often you really won't even know how deep it is and what you have to do to be able to move across it. And if you have a bias towards action, then you have a chance to understand the situation, analyze it carefully, but more importantly, do something about it. So these are the six lessons that I was able to learn early in my career. Um, others have added others since then, uh, which have yet, yet to make it to the list. But I thought I would share these with you. And I'd also share one more that I think is very important. Uh, this is something that I stole uh, from an individual that I worked with uh, at the data center who was a member of the IBM dealership team uh, or data center team. And he said, remember the seven times rule. And the seven times rule states that people don't really understand what you're saying, what you're trying to teach them until you've explained it seven times. And that over the years has become a very positive source of inspiration for me for two reasons. One, when I'm working with any of my teammates and I'm trying to get them to understand a new concept, I have to realize that until I've told them seven times, I can't expect that they really will understand it. So I need to have the patience to be counting in my head, well, there's one, nope, they still don't get it, there's two, nope, they still don't get it, and carry it forward to the seven times that are necessary for understanding to actually happen. So it benefits me as a supervisor to remember the seven times rule. It also benefits the people that are working with me to understand the seven times rule, because if they understand that it isn't expected that they get it right off the bat, it gives them the authority and the power to ask more questions to make sure that they do understand it. One of the insights that you get of the seven times rule, and I find this happens all the time, is I'm often listening to a song that I've heard probably 77 times, and only now do I hear the words. And you may have had that experience yourself, where you've hummed to or, or, or sung under your breath the words of a song, only to realize that for all your life you'd been saying it wrong. 
That happens when you get the repetition, sometimes seven, sometimes more. But understanding comes as a flash of insight. All of a sudden, you understand it. And all of a sudden, you now have the opportunity to put it into practice. So I'm hoping that these are going to be useful thoughts uh, and uh, ideals for you. Uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. Have a great day. Les, these are amazing fundamentals, not just in business, but in all of life and the consistency in applying them. I have to ask you a question. Uh, go back to the uh, the point you made about it's just as busy. Uh, it's just as easy to yeah. think big as it is to think small. What are the risks? In th there's you know there's going to be some risk right in thinking big. And um, how do you adjust uh, if you realize that you're let's say in over your head? And you know how would you how well, would you, you, know, how would you first of all I that found audience? that the pool of big thinkers is a lot less sizable than the pool of littler thinkers. So one of the benefits of thinking big is that you often have less competition. I don't know, Ted, whether when you started the roundtable, you could possibly have anticipated that it would have gotten to be the size that it's gotten. But you took steps, incremental steps, to say, hey, why shouldn't this go to thousands of people? And have taken the steps to be able to make that happen. That's big thinking. You could have been still in a little hotel room somewhere, but instead you're now providing uh, this insight and this forum to the industry at large. So whether you knew it or not, you applied it yourself. I love the, I love the, the rules and um, I love that seven times rule as well. It's, it's so appropriate and uh, it comes in handy in many, many things. So I love that. Less silver from Dynatron Keeps here at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Great job, Les. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings and our special guest, Les Silver. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or for more information about sponsorship opportunities, call area code 212-763-0016. That's 212-763-0016. 212-763-0016. On behalf of Ted Ings and the rest of us at the Fixed Ops Roundtable Podcast, I'm Gene Girdley. Thanks for listening.